Welcome back to the Key and Light Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now at the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, this is Jake on excursion on the south end of downtown in Chicago, Illinois. Along with me is Callum O'Donnell. Hello. He's back, baby. Two, I'm back. Two podcasts in a row. I know. Unheard of these days. Uh, so, um, we are over at Warehouse Liquors, which is one of the best independent retail shops in all of Chicago, maybe all the Midwest, maybe all of the world. Who knows? A lot of people like to shop here who listen to our podcast that live in Chicago because of the great choice and selection they have, not just of whiskey, but all spirits. And with us today from that great shop is Mr. Zach Rye. Hi, guys. Hi, Zach. Hi. Um, the national anthem I think it ceased. We're having a little bit of uh, some problems with our audio today. We are picking up a pirate radio station somehow <laughs> through the recorder of our podcast. This is the first for everything. So this is the first time that our microphones, according to Reddit and Callum, so I can't trust it completely except from Reddit myself. Pinch of salt, guys. Pinch of salt. Uh, the antenna, the uh, microphones are acting as antennas, picking up probably one of the college radio stations over at Columbia University. Either that or there's some, you know anti-military group that are that are next door to Warehouse Liquors or, broadcasting. Or Mike Miller's finally started his radio pod, radio podcast or yeah, radio station. That's probably it. Yeah, just that's, spinning. It's in, the, yeah, it's in the, the space next door, actually. I should have <laughs> mentioned I, I knew that. It, I knew it. I knew it. Uh, so, yeah, if you hear a little music in the background, enjoy it. <laughs> the National Anthem was playing before I turned this on, so we'll see how it goes. But we are sitting in um, the upstairs space of Warehouse Liquor, which is their event space, which you guys renovated over COVID. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so this was a former bartending school. Um, for years and years, they advertised as being the oldest bartending school um, in the U.S., which who knows if that was true or not. Mm. Um, I actually... All right. Well, I guess we'll go deep. Um, so I was actually about to quit at Warehouse. Okay. Um, I had kind of had it. Um, that's, that's happened more than once. And um, I was downstairs in the basement, which is uh, really why we call this place Warehouse. The basement is, you know, we call it the vaults. Mm -hmm. It's insane. And um, I walked up to Gene and told him that I, I don't think I can do it anymore. I just don't see much of a future with it. This is actually at the same time that I joined on with Compass Box, which we'll talk about later. Okay. So and, like four um, years ago? Yeah. And um, he goes, well, let me show you something. And he brought me up here, and he owns the whole building. And so next door, actually, to us is a giant space. I don't know if I've showed you no, that seen before. No. Well, I'll show you after. Um, that That's where the radio a, station a, is. Yeah, a floral. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Miller. Mike Miller is Mike Miller's peddling a bike through there. <laughs> Keep the lights on. <laughs> um and uh, so we're, we're actually, we're going to expand into there. But he brought me in here and he was like, look, I've had this space ever since the bartending school left. Mm -hmm. And um, if you think you can do something with it, it's yours. When was this? Um, this would have been about probably five years ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah, four or five years ago. And uh, at the time, this was all carpeted. That was all linoleum fl uh, tile for whatever reason. Oh. And everything was... Uh, they had like pink neon lights everywhere. Nice. The fans actually; these are the the still the there was fans a pole in the middle. <laughs> That's I briefly put that in. <laughs> um, Misty to the main. But uh, yeah, these fans actually they had pink neon lights on them, and um, I mean the whole place it was just it was an absolute disaster. And so the first renovation where you had seen it, um, that was I did that all with zero capital. Um, so I pulled everything up, I did the floors, we, um, the bars actually had, 
uh, fake money under like a laminate kind of thing. It yeah, was, I remember. It, I remember. It, it was horrendous. It was like my f honestly, I'd been in I'd been in Chicago for for maybe two weeks, um, and they did. You guys did a Del McGay activation here with um, Eva Peltzer, who was at the time the national yes. brand ambassador. Yeah. And she was walking everybody through Del McGay, and I'd been in Chicago. For, it was probably August or September of, of 2019, and I came in and I was like, "Oh, this is an interesting space." Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? it was Eva and uh, Noah, I believe. Yeah, no yeah. tract. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, before that, uh, Cherish Farley, um, who was with Remy at the time, she was probably one of like the first people to to do events up here. And at the time, it was still all baby blue. Mm -hmm. Um, we hadn't really painted yet. The bars were still the bars, but she didn't care. She was like, I can make this work. She was a great partner for a long time. I still love Cherish to death. And um, yeah, I mean, this space has transformed so many times. But yes, like you were saying, um, during COVID, we took that time to just completely... I mean, Gene, really what it is, is Gene finally decided to dump some money into it because mm. what we had done over the, the previous few years with bare bones and no investment was pretty huge. Um, that's when we started, with, uh, I think we did the first Just Trust Us, which was like our hugest yeah. event. Um, that was right before lockdown. Oh, and, I know um, you were doing before that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, yeah, that's when we decided to just dump a ton of money into it. That's also when I lost 50% of the ownership of this space because oh. Gene actually dumped a ton of money into it. Mm. But it's been awesome and I love it. I was mad at him when we first started doing it because I didn't want it to be like bright and pretty. I wanted it to be dark and kind of, you know, you know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this bright and pretty no. though. It's the brick I think is what pulls it together. Yeah, it has, it has, uh, um, I don't want to say speakeasy cause it's not that, it's not dingy enough, No. but it does have that kind of like, you know, basement feel to it. Yeah. It's a hidden, it like a little hidden spot, which a I hidden think gem, is yeah. really cool. A little bit yeah. of a public house feel to it as well. Yeah. yeah. With the light fixtures in the wall, um, yeah. the, the wood wall, the and brick, those brick, yeah. up on the top of there, those are all barrel staves from, um, oh. 80 laws, I think. Oh, I, that's really cool, yeah. I drilled really those neat. in. Gene was not happy with me about that either. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. I thought it was all yours to do whatever you wanted with it. <laughs> it used to be. <laughs> so how did this space keep you here? Um, I mean, actually, because I call myself um, a bartender survivor, mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, I owned coffee shops and coffee roasteries for a really long time. Since I was uh, 22, I opened my first shop. And we were like at the forefront of specialty coffee from Detroit to here in Chicago. And so I've been tasting for a living my whole life. I really don't know how to do anything else. Um, but I was a whiskey nerd and I was a bartender on the side for a good friend of mine back in Detroit. And um, it's quite an easy I, crossover though, isn't it? It really, really is. Yeah. It transitions really, really well. Um, bartenders always make great baristas and vice versa. Right. And so when um, this opportunity came, it was like, this is a good chance for me to still bartend in a way but the cool thing about being up here is um you drink what i tell you you're going to drink like there's no like you can't order something from me you're gonna get exactly what i'm going to give you and that's it right um so it's a nice like it's a nice relief and what's cool too is i've been able to build a staff up here like our staff up here is different from downstairs mm -hmm. um there's a little bit of crossover but uh my wife minnie um she is typically the second bartender um, which is also, she's a former bartender. And so 
it's something cool for her to kind of still get that, you know, little fix here and there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Ben, who you may have met, he's the big guy downstairs. Yeah. Um, he's our chef. He was the executive chef for the Bears for a long time, and he oh, really? came over here to do this project with us. And um, there's a lot of future up here. Like, there's a lot more things to come. Mm-hmm. Um, we do now. So, like, we have our kitchen. We have a chef. Um, we have a few servers that are on staff also that don't work downstairs. So it's starting to become kind of a different entity than mm-hmm. it's its own thing. The, yeah. the retail store. Yeah. So initially, to paint the picture, I guess a little bit. Would you say this place was mostly just for like a masterclass or a tasting? Of it's sorts? really what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's still what it is, but we have the benefit of like exit through the gift shop kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. You know. So yeah. yeah. It's it's that's the added bonus is, and even if we're having like a private event or a corporate event, um, if somebody you know, specifically doesn't want to drink whiskey or doesn't like anything really that we're offering that night. It's very easy for us to run downstairs and grab a bottle of wine or the six pack or something like that. So it's really, it's, it's a perfect situation. Um, we had to, there's so much shit I'm going to say that I probably am not supposed to. That's okay. No one's um, listening. Yeah, no one. Yeah, I was so, going to say, don't worry. It's just going to be us three that here. We, um, <laughs> we put a door in. I don't know if either, or if you noticed it, but there's a door right by the front entry from yeah. the sidewalk that goes directly now to the retail store. We had to do that in order to expand Legality, right. yeah, our license up here. Okay. And we actually just recently did that. And... Um, Here's a kind of a funny story. So we got um, fined. We were actually having an event up here. And um, cops came in. And they walked up with our ticket and our fine. We were missing a license that we had no idea we needed. I've heard more of this story. Yeah. You've heard probably some of this, right? Hearsay. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people know about it. I don't know why. Um, It's a small industry. Right. Mike Miller. Yeah. So (laughs) I was just going to say it might be because of the guy pedaling next door to keep the lights on. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we're having an event and they came in and they served the papers and they're like, we're shutting you down. Riley, our shit. I probably shouldn't have said Riley's name. He doesn't like that. You can bleep Riley. We can bleep that out too. (laughs) We can bleep these. We can bleep these. No, don't keep it. Um, Riley, no, Riley was a, a, a trooper in that situation in which he told the, the officers that the event's already done. There's nobody up there. They're just cleaning up. The event was in full swing. <coughs> and um, they were like, okay, well, just so you know, here you go. Here's your court date. Here's everything. The license we were missing was uh, just called a public place of amusement, a PPA license. Okay. Which is the same thing you need if you have like a pool table or a coin-operated video game. Yeah, machine. just one of them, right? Yeah, it's it's a two hundred dollars license. It's nothing. Miller and I are actually talking about this on the way to Delilah's after the Ardbeg event. That license, for some reason. Yeah, yeah. He and I were talking about okay. it. Okay, that must be in his mind. Well. Okay. So the reason that Miller actually ties into this is so we get shut down, and it's like if you do another event that's ticketed, we're coming in. We're With, closing you down without the license. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, that's fine. We'll apply for the license. The application should be good enough. No, this has been five months of the city jerking us around with this. So zoning has to come back in. The liquor commission has to come back in. Architects have to come back in. All of this stuff. Yeah. And that's why that door is there now. And we're now like probably six weeks away from getting it. But then after we get it, it's 35 days before we can actually operate like we used to up here. Oh, so and this is ongoing. Yeah, it's still going. So I call, I had a Just Trust Us planned, and it was sold out. And I, I couldn't let all these people down. Uh-huh. 
So I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, I'm going to call Miller. So I called Delilah's and um, Chloe, I think, answered the phone. She's like, you know, Delilah's, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I go, it's Zach from Warehouse. Is Miller, like, is he in appointments? Is he available? And she's like, yeah, he's in a meeting. But uh, I'll let him know. And uh, he'll call you back probably like a half hour. So half hour, pretty much on the dot, my phone rings. And I answer it, and Miller just goes, I heard you got popped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how the fuck you did you know that? <laughs> he's like, everybody knows. And I'm like, God damn it, yeah. And he's oh, like, no. what do you need? And I'm like, I need the upstairs on this date. And he's like, yeah, I have something going, but I'll move it. And okay. I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what do you need? And he's like, nothing. Just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be out of town, unfortunately, so I won't be able to be there. But uh, I'll let the staff know, get there around this time, and uh, make sure it's closed down around this time because we're going to open it up to the public at that time. He saved, my, like, he saved me completely. Mm-hmm. He saved all of the guests for that event who were really looking forward to it. And it was a great event. And the people that were there, I think, recognized that like, I was transparent about it. So everybody who was there knew um, like, this was a, like a Hail Mary yeah. kind of situation. And so everybody, I think, really appreciated it. That was, like, out of all the events that we've had, and especially once up here, I've had some of my favorites for sure, but that one meant the most to me because that was the community kind of coming Mm -hmm. together to help each other out, and Miller really, like, he was there for me. Yeah, and there's a lot of big cities in this country where that's not going to happen. No, they're going to be like, go fuck yourself (laughs) because you're competition. Right. Yeah. No, Miller to on-premise, I think that we have, like, Gene and him and myself, of course, like, we have that mutual respect Mm -hmm. of, like, uh, they are the kings of on-premise when it comes to whiskey, and we like to think of ourselves as up there when it comes to off-premise. Right. No, naturally. How long ago was that event then? That was um, probably like three months ago. Okay. Something like that. Oh. It wasn't too far ago. Oh, I thought it was a long time ago for some reason. No, no, no. It wasn't that long ago. Huh. It was, yeah, during the time, because we've been under this, like, not being able to operate as a ticketed mm-hmm. thing. All we can do is rent the room. Gotcha. So that's what like Ardbeg was just simply that. I just rented Cam the room. Gotcha. So they so that's why they brought their own bottles and everything like that. Then yeah, okay. I mean they can buy bottles from downstairs right. and bring them up here, but I can't. We can't ticket at all. Yeah. Right. So the club could club or somebody else could ticket for for their own club, but you guys can't make the profit. No, they actually can't either. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. We'll it's just it like a sort of an, an informal invitation then and then. Mm-hmm. I wonder how often that happens then because there's so many events in the city yeah. that, that places don't have a PPA uh, that, or I think it's PPA. Oh, so many people get away with it. It's yeah. Because yeah. I, I talked to a lot of people afterwards. I was talking to Kelly from Women Who Whiskey and I was like, when you do events at places and you're ticketing them, do you make sure they have a PPA? And she's like, I've never even heard of that and I've never had a problem with it. And she's like, mm-hmm. we do events sometimes at like, you know, really random places. Yeah, and do, yeah. Miller actually, what's funny is when I was telling him what happened, he was like, I don't have one of those. And I was like, you have a pool table upstairs. And he was like, I don't mm-hmm. have one. <laughs> and I was like, well, uh, I hope you don't get in trouble. Yeah. And he was like, no, I'm just renting you the room. I can't get in trouble. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so we go up and after the events over, um, my wife, myself and a handful of our friends are very, very big pool players, like avid, like league players. And we're like, let's shoot. Mm-hmm. And I go to put quarters in, and I look, and fucking license is right next to where you put the quarter. He had it, and it was up to date. He just didn't even know he had it. Seems about right. Yeah. That is so typical. Don't worry. He doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the staff does, but he doesn't. So 
He says he'll never come on, so that story will just stick between us and I all the, the other staff, listeners. The staff's the best. Oh, they are. Oh man. I just love that. Like, because I know he was, he was telling me how he was renewing the license. Like this is two weeks ago. The PPA? Yeah. It's probably because of me. <laughs> he's like, because he was telling me and Paul about it, about how he's like, yeah, just because I have one pool table and then one coin-operated machine, he has to do something else Maybe extended to it. Maybe they're cracking down on it. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah. I, I feel like we had our uh, way of the land over COVID where nobody was cracking down on anything whatsoever. And they're like, oh, yeah, as long as you guys can make your money and you aren't like drinking on the street, who really cares? Actually, we were drinking on the street, too. Yeah, we extended they, the, uh, everything to the sidewalks either, and yeah. the patios, and everyone's now getting patio services. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually talking with a – I don't want to blow them up because I'm not sure how mm-hmm. their legalities are working out right mm-hmm. now because they're pretty new. But a place over in Wicker Park is – kind of creating a at-home bartending experience in a shop that they have now. Um, Say it. Yeah. Say it. No, well, I will. Uh, <laughs> I guess I should because I do it all legally. They have all the, all the licenses. That we know of. No, I was talking to him yesterday, joking, but it's called Poor Souls. Um, yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. this. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, close to my wife's salon. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I figured you probably knew about it, so yeah. I was saying it. But you know, they have um, – essentially everything ready to go buy cocktails, but there's mm-hmm. no alcohol in it. But what mm-hmm. you can do is, you know, pay for the fee of the room and then bring your own alcohol in, or they have an off premise license they're attached to that they can buy the alcohol through and bring it in that way. It is. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, like we were talking, Tim and I, the guy who owns it about it, he's like, you know, how many bars in the city are worth going to and paying $18 for a cocktail? Exactly. When you can buy basically everything for $6 ready to go. And then you put the alcohol in you want. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is the thing as well. Like America, you know, has always been known for people being like really ingenious when it comes to getting around the yep. law, whether that's you know in the booze sector, it's a renegade or, history, baby, or even yeah, <laughs> or even even if we look like right now, like getting around NDAs, we won't go much into that, but things like that, and it's like it's just the natural progression of what's next, right? Like these stores start to look at more of, especially after COVID, I think retail places and warehouses i know you guys were doing this before but this is going to be a step forward right like something a little bit more serious it looks yeah. it looks like super pristine super prestige um and there all these stores are starting to look at more of this like experiential side because you're right like 18 dollars you're paying for a cocktail right fine it tastes good big fucking big whoop de doo well, how many like, of them don't taste good exactly and yeah. i'm like well who gives a fuck like show me something else give me something else like Give me an experience or give me some education or give me something that I'm going to be able to go away and yeah. tell my friends about that they can't read about on Instagram and they have to actually experience for themselves. Um, and I think the whole industry is starting to go that way. Yeah, my friend know? Matt, who's never spent a day working in a restaurant, coffee bar, and nothing, nothing like that on this whole side of the industry. He's never worked in the industry a day in his life and he makes a great old fashioned because he's curious about learning how to do it online. He mm-hmm. reads books, he buys good alcohol, but he buys all the syrups and stuff. And then, you know, they have two kids and they want to go out every, you know, once every three months and they have the time to go sure. out and go to all these bars. And I'm like, you know, dude, like cocktails you make at home are just as good. And we can be there and not to worry about anything whatsoever. Yeah. And at the end of the night, we just take an Uber home from your house and your kids are at home safe and sound. And, and it's they get 10% of the cost. Yeah. 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 Right. We have a full bar in our apartment and a pool table. And so what? we very often. Pool table in your apartment? Yeah. Why do you ever leave? <laughs> we barely do. We only, and what's, what's fucked up is the only thing that we do is, <laughs> is to go and play pool. <laughs> Where do you guys play? That's brilliant. Uh, CPH, City Pool Hall. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. You're heading there tonight, right? Uh, no, I don't have to go there tonight. Oh, okay. Wait. Wait. I do, but I'm not going. So. There yeah. we go. That's fuck. Well, that, uh, one of, one of my team captain actually, I think does listen to this podcast. Oh, 
<laughs> we just get listeners Sorry, from all, Steve. all sorts You'd be of noted. life. <laughs> um, oh, but okay. yeah, I mean, uh, and, and exactly kind of what you're saying, and that's what the transformation of this place is, is we don't want to, like, we certainly are not going to become like a tavern or bar kind of situation. We're not even going to get that license. It will always be a tasting room. And, um, you know, further on as far as like... Uh, going into the floral arts building uh we're going to put another bar in there and we're going to put a little more seating in there but we're putting lockers in there oh and so this whole space will be uh, ideally the goal is we'll be open thursday to saturday okay and um you it's just a membership fee mm-hmm. oh. there's no money exchanged inside of this place whatsoever right and you can have your own bottles that you can purchase downstairs and you put them in your locker mm-hmm. And one of our, you know, certified, like our Bassett certified bartenders has to pour it for you and make sure that we don't get you shit face drunk because those are a lot of stairs to potentially fall down. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of the concept of what this place is going to become. And I think we might end up, the whole Warehouse 2 thing just kind of came out of nowhere. And I think that it was just out of like the speed of getting things done during the short amount of time we knew mm-hmm. we had during lockdown. Um, but I think we actually probably are going to end up calling it Just Trust Us. We played around with the room above was like our other idea for a while. And that's probably like you, you're probably aware of like it used to be called that. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much going to be we'll have one or two seasonal cocktails. Um, and that's pretty much it. If you want to go downstairs and buy a bottle of wine, bring it up, give it to a bartender to pour. Yeah. That's so like a social fun. club. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And yeah, with uh, like membership with lockers and stuff. And yeah, it's, it does. It kind of, it like you're saying, it finds like this loophole to where we're not a bar. No. And it still kind of comes down to like you, you can't just come up and order whatever you want. You get what we're going to pour for you. And we'll have our own selection of things behind the bar as well. But um, you can't just come in and get, you know, wrecked. But, but again, though, you know, the value for money... Like, say, I don't know what the membership fee will be, but... For you, it's going to be different. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, I'll be at CPH tonight, it's gonna be, Steve. It's going <laughs> to be euros for you. <laughs> yeah, if, as long as it's not pound sterling, we'll be fine. No. But, you know, you you look at... We've just, with Pernod Ricard, we just bought a, a Still Rosé, um, mm. St. Marguerite en Provence, and it's brilliant. It tastes really, really good. Uh, 25-ish bucks a bottle. Uh, for the Symphony, and then 38, 39 for the Fantastique, which is, they're both really, really good balls. Um, oh, it's a salesman. We've, no, but we've... I know, I'm like... We've, I'm like, ooh, I'm intrigued. We've dropped, we've dropped them into some accounts already, and, you know, I've been looking at the price on the buy the glass pour. It's like $14, $15. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so to, to finish the bottle, you would need to spend like $75. Yeah. Yep. On a, literally on a $25 bottle of wine. So, you know, it, it beggars belief, right? And it's like, I do think that, yeah, fine, of course, there's always going to be a space for like great bars and great experiences and great restaurants and all these brilliant things. But I do think that we're going, like I say, I think we're going to see a lot more of this kind of concept start to pop up where people are like, I don't need to like, and even like a kind of a combination with the poor souls, right? Where someone comes up to a club like this and you guys maybe there's three or four cocktails or three two or three seasonal things that you've got there and they go down and they get the liquor and they can bring it up here and you guys will make it for them right like and it's that simple and they don't have to spend like they don't have to spend 16 18 20 plus the tax and the tip 
to get themselves to like a place where they're really, really enjoying a, a cocktail and a convivial moment, you know? We've been having the conversation for, I feel like four years about how the bar has been transitioning to the living room even before COVID. People were making cocktails, buying so much whiskey, buying so much spirits. The only problem is buying all the syrups, all the bitters and everything. Sure. Um, those can you know, obviously run out or you have a ton left and they can expire. And then you don't use them and throw away like $30 worth of ingredients just mm-hmm. to make cocktails for one evening. But at the same time, you are saving money because now it costs $100 to go out and have a beer and a hamburger and an appetizer. Yeah. Way too, way, way too crazy. Well, that's even with, you know, that, that was kind of the concept that we talked about. Gina and I talked about at first is um, how much one of these bottles is worth if we're pouring it as mm. opposed to just selling it, you know, right. as retail. And for something like the Just Trust Us entire concept, we do Just Us. Yeah, too, can you explain is, that? Like, what that is? That just Trust Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, Just Trust Us started... Um, Pretty much just with this idea that I had that Gene, I don't know, for whatever reason, love. He and I have, <laughs> he, he and I have a very, very strange relationship. Um, he's like my secret dad. My secret <laughs> He's like, he oftentimes, he's like, I only like about three people. And I just pause, I just wait. And he goes, you're still one of them. <laughs> you're um, next in line if somebody yeah. drops out. But um, You're on the bench, Zach. The, uh, the idea was basically... Um, we were waiting um, after lockdown, um, especially. We did one, like we did a similar thing before, but we didn't have a name for it. It was just, I don't even know what we called it, but it was pretty much the same concept. And we had all of these really cool, really heavily allocated bottles that yeah. um, Gene and I both hoard. Uh, he and I are the only two really with access to like the crazy whiskeys here. And, and it's not really out of anything other than the fact that no one else wants to have anything to do with it because honestly i mean scotch customers are delightful for the most part um bourbon customers are monsters and (laughs) all i wanted when i started here uh was to get into the bourbon program and like be careful what you wish for Mm. yeah because now it's like i get a thousand emails a day like are you gonna get this you're gonna get that can you hold this for me can you what year did you start here um i think i'm six years in okay i want to say i'm not sure yeah, um, right in the it was the a mi- quick the midst of the bourbon craze yeah. taking off. So, yeah. yeah, and um, and so yeah, now it's like I hoard just like Gene does, and I think I've been a bad influence on him because I sell a lot of my stashes, and so he's he's hoarding less and selling more. Just a bird. Um, just, just somebody jumping off from another building. It's Miller. <laughs> Miller. <laughs> um, and so uh, Just Trust Us started because we had all this cool stuff stacked up. And So this um, is a store's inventory, not your personal inventory? Well, we kind of call it our personal inventory <laughs> because we get now when we get stuff in, Gene and I split it. So he has his half of the allocation. I have my half of it because we have different clientele bases and things like that. And Gene and I are both pretty much appointment-based. Um, but I'm only here on weekends, and he's only here on weekdays, so it works pretty well. I mean, he's here on the weekends, but he gets out the second he can. Um, so Just Trust Us was basically the concept of um, here are all the things that we lie to you and tell you that we don't have, but we actually do have. And we're not going to tell you what it is. And there'll be five drams a welcoming cocktail, food, and we will pour every bottle dry. And we would only book it out for 25 people. Um, so that's actually like a pretty good amount of, of yes, yeah. really, really heavily allocated whiskey. I think our very first one we did on um, the H. Taylor Warehouse C. Um, 
the whatever the other one that was like oh the um the marriage uh h taylor we did that one uh i think we did a happy 23 on that one i mean it's all the stuff that right, right. if you went to a bar for mm-hmm. yeah and it's 200 bucks and if you went to a bar and you ordered a dram of each of those <laughs> and a welcoming cocktail and you have food you're gonna spend three four hundred dollars at least yeah and Easy. you yeah. don't have the intimate kind of situation that you would have up here and not only that like i i always will give like a dissertation on each bottle that we're pouring mm. so you get the education as well and that's kind of how the just trust us thing started and then just us is like a variation of it of course that was um just our own barrel picks which is very easy for yeah. you know for me to actually give like a ton of information on and for those events unlike just trust us where you can't buy any of this stuff at all like okay. we just have these bottles kind of squirreled away just us will bring up uh, x amount of every single barrel pick that we're pouring even mm-hmm. if we don't shelve them mm-hmm. And everybody has the opportunity to buy, you know, whichever one was their favorite for that. Again, this is something that we haven't been able to do while we're trying to chase this license. And then uh, the one that we were about to launch, but this is when we got popped. I think it was Miller. I think it was him. I think he narked me out. Wow. Wow. Um, Breaking news. uh, How interesting. We're going to do Don't Trust Us, which I think is a really cool idea, and I've been wanting to do it for a while, which is all of those bottom shelf gems that people ignore because they're not like – we don't want people shopping labels for the most part downstairs. We're very nerdy about what we do. Mm -hmm. We're like the nerdy record store, comic book shop of liquor stores. And so what we all take home tends to be the sleepers on the bottom mm-hmm. shelf right. that people, you know, forever. I was taking home the Bonnet Old Fitzgerald, the green label. Yeah. It was like $23 for a liter. And it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, then they discontinued that. The early times at the black top when it was still Brown Foreman. Yeah. Outstanding. Uh-huh. And it was cheap. And now it's Sazerac. And sorry, Sazerac, I love you, but it's not very good anymore. Um Let's see. Oh, the uh, early times bottled in bond too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, uh, it, it hasn't really changed yet. I don't think it has. You think so? Oh yeah. Okay. I don't know if I actually have a bottle of Sazerac's production of it. To it's be honest. got the kind of like uh, metal blue top. Okay, then of the I don't. Yeah, I have three bottles at home, but of the not. plastic black tops. Yeah. How much you selling those bottles for, old man? <laughs> <laughs> Two of them are open. I didn't know I had one. <laughs> ding ding ding. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. Are you aware of a uh, Gold Eagle out in Libertyville? Yeah, yeah. So they had like forty cases of it before it got sold, um, and I'm like, every time I go out there, you know, just to check in and everything like that, just buy a bottle, and you know, it's twenty three ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, I have a good regular that's his go to store, and he's brought me some cool like bottom shelf finds. Well, I've heard, I don't know if it's true, I don't know if you guys know, but the um, uh, bonded burial Bartons, I, I've heard that's about to be allocated. Oh, I didn't know that. And it's like it's like eighteen ninety nine right. on our shelf right now, and it's a it's an awesome whiskey. I was standing what it is. in another retail store that sells alcohol that might have a lot of stores in the town. And oh, I wonder what it is. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was talking to one of the store managers, and we were just catching up. Not quite as nerdy. And they come in. And guy comes in. And you could tell he was there for a Sazerac product because he read something online. And he asked, like, oh, do you have any Buffalo Trace other than just Buffalo Trace? And he's like, no, we don't have anything in right now, but um, if you're looking for something you ever had, he pointed him to Very Old Barton, and the guy's like, wouldn't even bite at it. You're like, it's $20, dude. Like, it, He's like, ah, no, I just wanted to, I, I wanted Weller or whatever he was looking for that yeah. day. And I was like, you know, there's a really great wheat whiskey that comes out of Australia I can take you on the other side of the aisle to. <laughs> he's like, he was, uh, he thought I was, like, asking him to get into, like, a white unmarked van, but... <laughs> 
He didn't follow Which me over there Which you would have done, but that was after right, you right. left. Uh... But, you know, the point is, the guy left empty-handed. Oh, yeah. And you're like, explore. Take it a happens, chance. It happens here all the time. And it's something that... Do we got music again? No, it was like a buzzing noise, mm. but I think it was just the kids from next door, the college kids, or Miller, you know, whatever. It's, it's funny because, you know, you, you said something that resonates with Jake and I, which is, you know, the bourbon community being monsters. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we've, we've had a, I particularly face-to-face haven't had many run-ins with the podcast, but you recently <laughs> had a run-in uh, up at the Galena, up in Galena. What did I do? Um, oh, where did you yeah. go to bomb? Uh, was yeah. that was that? <laughs> did you go to Bomb Brothers? Yeah, it was the Galena Whiskey Weekend. Oh, right um, they do an event up there that just restarted it since COVID for the first time. That's cool. It's a great event. Great I love event. those guys. Yeah, and then they're kind of they kind of help put it on in some fashion. But the night before the event, they do like a welcoming night for everybody who comes mm-hmm. in the town. But yeah, we had I had a guy corner me about a previous podcast that we had, and and I figured out after the conversation. Like it wasn't even about you. It's about yeah. a different group. He he just he made it about himself yeah. and then gave yeah. a shit. But and I was like, wait, that wasn't for. And he was this guy was just helping out an Indiana retailer. I'm like, this was a group in Chicago. <laughs> so that had nothing to do with you. But people have this, I don't know, sense of province, I guess, over bourbon. I feel like yeah, no, and like I I describe it often is um it's adult baseball cards to a lot oh, of people yeah you know it's just it, you just want to collect them did matt B- brown steal that from you or did you steal it from matt brown i bet you matt brown stole it from you i'm gonna say that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because you you say that and then you say obviously the scotch consumer comes in and they're generally obviously generally they're they're really pleasant it, they put stuff back where it's supposed to go <laughs> they don't dig into the back of the shelf thinking i'm hiding a, like a pappy from 2007 back there you for are some you reason. are <laughs> don't say that on this podcast because people will come in raiding the back of your store I heard this guys something about the lakes you know, <laughs> podcast but, but yeah no but yeah uh, what do you but what is the bourbon community like what's your sense of it or you know, I, you... I mean I, I think that there's so I, I have a guy actually who um, he throws events up here pretty often and um, I think he put it really well where there's there's typically three types of uh, bourbon buyers and trust me, it does. It happens very often, and I, I can kind of get into like the the weird um, politics of the store downstairs because we are a very strange business model, like I said. Um, but you've got the people who buy it to just let it sit on their shelf and collect it and stare at it and show it off to their friends. Then you've got the people who either want to trade it or flip it, and then you have the ones that we want, who are the people who want to open it and share it. And you know that was a big part of just trust us too is that we these are bottles that we would rather know that we're going to share it with a, a room full of friends and like-minded people as opposed to let it go into somebody's vault or let it end up on Facebook Market or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, and so you know that all also ties into kind of what I was talking about when it comes to um, the kind of general policy of the shop, which is is very strange and it's. It was always, it was weird for me for a really long time, and now that I'm more um, entwined with the bourbon side of things and the spirit side of things with the shop, and kind of closer to what Gene does, is um, I always thought it was weird that we ha- it seemed like our motto should be like "Welcome to our house, liquors." We might let you buy something, and it's gotten to a point where there there are times where like I know like we we kind of make a differentiation between I don't know if I pronounced that right. Sounded good Between. to 
<laughs> between customers and clients. Clients like we can we call like our regulars clients. Yeah. They make mm. appointments. They come in. I know they're going to walk out with a case of stuff, and I'm going to curate that case for them. Oh, wow. And same with Gene. And um, those are the people who they they trust you. They buy what you advise them to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, they want they they just want to try whatever you think they're really going to like, and you get to know what their flavor preferences are. And as long as you keep doing a good job with that, they keep coming in to see you, and they become kind of family here. Um, and then you have customers who sometimes are cool, sometimes aren't. When you get a guy who walks in the door and before looking at the shelf goes, you got any blends? <laughs> and you go, no, not today. Of course we do. It's not on the shelf. You fucked up already. Yeah. You yeah. got any Wellers? Nope. Yeah, of course I do. It's just not on the shelf. And you fucked up already. <laughs> if you would have walked over to the bourbon shelf, looked at a couple things, asked or even just like grabbed something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a shot pick, just something cool. And then said, hey, I know it's a long shot, but is there any chance that maybe, you know, and it's like, you know what always gets me? And I, I swear to God, if more people start doing this because this podcast <laughs> is, it's my brother's birthday or it's my yeah, dad's yeah, birthday. Yeah. Or it's, the occasions always get me. Always. Oh, and they do I'm, get you. Oh, yeah. Every time. Whereas Gene's like, I don't care. Every Get time. <laughs> Gene's like, did, did somebody die or was somebody born? That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that is fucking it. Yeah. But no, I'm a sucker for it. Uh, if they're genuine and if they're nice. And I love mm-hmm. when, and we're like that here, is if people come in and they're shopping with their phones or they're on their phone with their friend that they think knows everything, uh. as opposed to talking to us, like everything in the shop is handpicked. We've tried and it's not fun. It sounds like it's fun. People are like, oh, that sounds so cool. We have to try every single thing in the store before we put it on our shelves. It's not fun. It's, it's painful at it's times. laborious, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, if you can imagine Gene going, hey, we're going to place five new Amaros. I need you to taste through these 20 to help us figure out which ones. You want to taste through 20 Amaros? It's it a long is afternoon. abuse. Yeah. It's a long afternoon, <laughs> It's man. fucking terrible. Hmm. But at the end of the day, we can take pride and know that we can speak on every single thing on that shelf and everything in the entire shop. Obviously, we're not trying Captain Morgan's to make sure it needs to go on the shelf or Tito's or something like that. I did bring a bottle up for us to have after. (laughs) Of Tito's? And Captain Morgan's. Oh. It's a cool mixed drink I made. I was going to say that's a cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually, it's layered. I actually, <laughs> I don't drink rum since the incident back in 2008, so. Just the incident is yeah. all we're going to go with? Well, you know, I devoured about three quarters of a bottle of uh, Admiral Nelson, the, okay. the cousin to Captain Morgan. Yeah. And, so uh, it's so always a Navy term. Yeah. Did you get that term. at Costco? Where's Admiral Nelson? Um, must have been Hy-Vee. Okay. Shop Hy-Vee. There's a helpful smile in every aisle. Mm-hmm. This oh, is back Jesus. in Des Moines. So, yeah, yeah, drank that. And then I ended up falling out of my bed at one point. So I thought it'd be really appropriate if I went and slept in my roommate's bed. And so when he came home from, he was a bar manager at like four in the morning. He's like, why are you in my bed? I'm like, that's a really great question. I think I just fell out of mine though. <laughs> Into Apparently, yours. Yeah. I have. I a, ran away at some point that night, I guess, according to one of my friends. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. I have a somewhat similar story that is rum related. Uh, I brought home, this was a couple of years ago, we did a uh, plantation pick that oh, was. Great rum, though. Aged, great rum. Yeah. Yeah. It well, it was too good. Um, it was aged in a McNamara Ambassador. Um, I want to say it's a Swedish peated uh, single malt. 
I might be wrong on the Swedish part, but I think I'm right. And uh, it was it was just finished in it. Mm-hmm. It was outstanding. It like you know it of course it had that middle finish of the uh, of the Pierre Ferrand, so it just had this amazing vanilla you know cool sweetness into this really high bright fruit sweetness from the cognac, and then this smoky finish. And I brought it home, and my wife is she does not drink rum. Mm. And I remember one of the first times we hung out, um, I had a couple cool rums on my bar, my old apartment. And I was like, oh, you you try some of these. And she's like, no. It was in the middle of the day. And she's like, if I drink rum, I'll end up dancing on the table. And I'm like, well, definitely try. (laughs) The pool table? Sorry, what was that? No, I think it was the dining room table. Were we sans pool table at this point in your life? (laughs) Yes, we were, yeah. Um, But that night, so I brought it home, and it was it's so good. And uh, her and I went through pretty much the whole bottle of it. And, oh boy! You know, you've you've met Minnie, mm-hmm. and all five feet of her, but she can she can hold her booze. No yeah. way! And I have a similar wife. I had the same thing. I uh, in the middle of the night, I fell off the bed, <laughs> and I decided instead of going to I didn't have a roommate's bed to go sleep in, I just kind of shimmied my way, I guess, fully under the bed, under the bed? Nice. and just went back to sleep. And it took many like an hour that morning to figure out where the hell I have gone to <laughs> until she finally passed out underneath our own bed. <laughs> it's a safe so, yeah, place to be. Rum. Anyhow. There's, there's worse places to end up. Let's crack it open. After an evening of rum. Callan, bring out the rum. <sighs> Why is the rum gone? <laughs> mm. How do you think that you were able to curate or Gene was able to curate clients or customers or whatever you want to call them that he garnered their trust to have them, you know, come back all the time to you guys procure spirits for them before they even step into the store. Um, that's like, a, that's a really good question. Actually. I think it's because there's, there's two parts to it. Um, I love a two parter. Yeah. So one, uh, Gene is, he is not a greedy person in the slightest way. Mm. He is a very, very giving person and he likes to not only give a good experience, but you know, our prices are, sometimes people complain that our prices are like a couple dollars higher than say that other place that has a lot of locations that we don't speak of. Mm. <laughs> um, they have to be, you know, it's just, it's right. just the way it falls. Our markup is completely static across every single thing that we sell. If our prices get up, the prices get up. Um, but when it comes to people again, who come in and they're just genuine and they like the experience and you you can tell like they love this stuff i get photos on a daily basis of some of my customers um sending the open bottle with the dram next to it and then their own notes next to it when it which is funny because we don't really talk about i mean you've you've been probably at at a few events where i mentioned that i don't like to talk about flavor yeah um, once everybody's tried everything, if they would like to discuss what they think, I'm super happy to do it. Um, I like to just speak on the history of the bottle and the story behind the bottle. Same. And so I think that's a big part of it. Gene and I both, um, we don't tell anybody what to taste. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite sayings of Gene, and, and there's, there's so many that have just become like embedded in my brain, but is, um, it's completely subjective. So if you like it, you're right. And if you don't like it, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of his other favorite ones is uh, not letting facts get in the way of flavor. And what that kind of mo- more refers to is just because it says Weller on it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it's the best whiskey that you're ever going to have. Um, you know, whatever you've read really kind of means 
nothing, nothing for the yeah. most part until yeah. you've tried it. Yeah. And so I think that that's where we instill a lot of trust from people and that, and again, we're, we're completely nerdy about this. I mean, we taste stuff all day, every day. And so at the very least, like, well, and the other part of that too, I was going to mention is that we, I don't work on commission and Jean kind of doesn't really either. Everything goes back into the store. And so if we've both tried something and Jean has placed it often, sometimes as a favor, or sometimes it's just because we want it on the shelf because we know people will buy it. If it's somebody that we like and we know and they trust us, we can totally say, don't buy that. Instead of spending $200 on that bottle that's kind of good, let's spend $150 on three bottles that are amazing. And it, that's just what creates like the environment down there is, um, we are, we're, we're brutally honest. I mean, you know, tying in even Compass Box with that, that was a big reason that it drew me to that company is the transparency is just incredible. Mm, right. And so it's also one of my favorite. They've got one of my favorite bottles of all time. The Spaniard. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. The Spaniard. Loved it. I did. Uh, that was my first. Actually, it's the first time I met you. Yeah. At yeah. Fountainhead. At Fountainhead. Yeah. yeah. With uh, uh, Mikey from the Spaniard. Yeah. <laughs> in and New York. Yeah. And yeah. The, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pete was there too. Yeah. yeah and the boys were there. Those the guys boy- are dangerous to hang out with. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw them in New York like a year or two later, and they were yeah kicking at, it, going at it, just. Uh, which is a great bar. If you're ever in New York, go to the Spaniard yeah, in the village. Phenomenal bar. Um, great bar. But no, I, I was, it's one of my favorite all times. And yeah. it's funny that you say, you know, facts before flavor and things like that and the history. Part of my love for that bottle is the story, mm-hmm. you know? And like, it's like, it's, I don't want to say romantic, but it feels that way, you know? It, yeah. it does feel like you could make a film about it, like so you could make a solid film about so that whole bottle. There's so many bottles, like, you know, you know right. have this amazing backstory to it. And it's so kind of like companies. Trey in the Oceans you know, with that, the whole story. He has yeah. something personally built behind it where you're like, okay, I want to believe... When you sit down with him and you hear a story of how he created the Ocean series with Jefferson, you're like, I just want to kind of hang out with you more and drink more whiskey and then I'm, all, I'm, a, I'm a fan of you. He also has a great voice, which yeah. helps. Yeah. <laughs> I fell off with the Ocean stuff. The rye brought me back. Yeah, the cast drink kind of brought me back for okay. a bit. Yeah, but no, it's just a similar thing. I actually have a bottle of the Spaniard that's corked right now. Um, if you have any suggestions, so Black cork. Manhattan. No, the cork oh, it's all. cork corked. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, the cork was touching the whiskey anyway. No, no, no. It's stuck. It's half. It's half broken, and now I can't pull the cork off. Just push the cork in. Okay. Get it in there, and then just drink it yeah. in one go. All right. And by one go, I don't mean one night, like push the cork in and then just go. There was a Binnie's that had it on end of bin like a year or two ago for like $35. Whoa. And I was like, why is this so cheap? There was a what? Sorry. There was a where? Binnie's end of bin. <laughs> there oh, was a uh, shortage on it too, like a, a like a year or two ago. Yeah, yeah. I actually owed Gene a bottle because I used it for a, a compass box event up here. And um, I didn't realize it was the last one. And I was like, I'll replace it. I'll replace it. And I couldn't for like a year and a half and he kept giving me shit for it. Well, how did your whole com- compass box experience take place? Um, begin? Okay. Okay. Here we go. We're getting into it now. So, <laughs> so I, I'm not going to name any names, but I don't have, I don't have any hard feelings at all when it comes to anyone involved with compass box. I think it was just the way that the cookie crumbled and it, a lot of it had to do with pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so compass box was like, that was a company pretty much from the onset that I really wanted to work for. Um, when John put out the three, the three-year-old, um, it's just like a solid middle finger in the air. 
I thought it was just like the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, this company, not only, I mean, we know the bottles are always just absolutely gorgeous. And like, they really, they stand alone when it comes to like not just either the whole design like from zero to hero yeah Yeah. absolutely when a new release comes out there's a whole story behind it yeah exactly boxies it's just magnificent and um and i i've had i had really really great experiences with that company and so there was um a guy uh who was a a very good friend of mine who was a bartender at i think he might still be at the whistler doug right yeah dougie yeah And uh, he he had that job. Should I get his, kept his name out of this? I don't know. Hi, Dougie. <laughs> no, he doesn't care. Um, also at five star sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he uh, he had that job, and you met him one time. He had a Star Wars T-shirt on, remember? Oh yeah. And you're like, hey, some guy here has a Star Wars T-shirt on behind the bar. You should come. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. No, he's a great guy. I, I absolutely love him. Um, he's worked like all over the place. Like if you go to bars in Chicago, you know Doug. But, uh, yeah, he had that job, and I think it was the first, um, like, time that there was a, a market specialist for the Midwest area. Yeah. And uh, he was doing it. Uh, I ran into Pete. Shit. Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he says his name we before. We can bleep them anyway. out, though. Uh, yes. That's fine. Okay. Um, at a, a whiskey fest, and he was doing it alone. It was, like, one of my last stops. I think it was, like, one of the first or second year gene and i always go together and we go with like exhibitor passes yep and about halfway through vip we usually take off um smart yeah (laughs) and so we um he had taken off already and i wanted to go over to compass box and talk to pete because i'd met him before uh with john they were in the store and we're talking a little bit and he he brought up the position and that uh you know dougie was doing it and i was like I would have done that. And he was like, well, you know, things are working out pretty good and da da da. And I'm like, well, cool. But, you know, if it doesn't, just let me know. I'd, I'd be super interested in doing this. Years pass. And I run into Pete at uh, uh, Independent Spirits, uh, just right across the street, actually. And I'm like, hey, how's everything going? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, nah. Dougie, like, can't do it. He's, like, he got promoted at Whistler, and he wanted to devote most of his time to that, which I can't blame him for. I, I love those guys. That was That's one of my favorite bars in the city. And um, I'm, like, well, I'll do it. And he's, like, yeah, I think they want to hire, like, kind of like a, like a third party kind of thing or something like that to do it. And I was, like, don't do that. I'll do it. And he's, like, all right, here, uh, give me your card. Right, here's my card. And then, like, three or four days later, I heard from him, and he was, like, yeah, they're really interested, like, we can probably do this. And so, I don't know, a few weeks went by and we, you know, we exchanged a bunch of emails and they were great, like as far as communication, everything like that goes. And so, um, I'm already dropping names. So Karen came to town and Pete was in town and we met at Cherry Circle Room, pretty much had like our final meeting and shook hands. And we had some great place for a meeting, by the way. Good place. Yeah. I kind of like I always do meetings there now too. Oh, well, plus it's walkable for me. True, and this is a good meeting a spot too. So spot. it feels and like they had doing a bunch a of compass box too, which was cool. <laughs> they had old stuff that like they don't even sell anymore. Hmm. Um, and so then that night, I can't remember what event we had, um, but it was a Scotch event, and I invited them to come, and we like took pictures and they posted everything of like this is our new you know brand ambassador or uh, market specialist uh, for the Midwest and everything was fucking awesome and I was super excited and we were with Breakthrough and so we'd have work withs with Breakthrough um, you had to do a couple of, a month 
and all of the it used to be called the trident team yep that's gone now they are gone yeah um very aware of that i knew pretty much all of them like already and so the work with were a blast we would just go and see and we would go to these accounts where it's like i already know everybody here it was perfect and so i was doing really really well and we had a couple events i did um at revival food hall i did like a huge event um where we did like a full bar takeover with cocktail menu and everything everything was great pandemic hit and they pretty much i mean i thought and i think all the market specialists probably also thought that okay cool just like everybody else in the country right now we can probably get unemployment and i got the phone call that was like so you we're giving all of the market specialists two options you can go ad hoc which obviously means you know when you're needed um or you can fulfill your entire you know job description and get paid the same and have your expense account the same and everything like that which is impossible because bars were all closed. Um, you can't complete and goals and things yeah, like that. Yeah, off-premise was, was not really buying anything. No. And I was told by um, the person that oh, all of, all of he, he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I go, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I do have a, a lot of connections here. And I was told, well, every other market specialist has decided that ad hoc would be the way to go. And so I go, um, okay. Were you full-time? It was, I mean, no. It, like, you had to put in X amount of hours, okay. yeah, you yeah. know. Um, but it was, it was very like, kind of commission-based yep. for the most part, um, uh, you know, with an expense account and everything. But, and then, yeah, there was, there was like a monthly or something, like guarantee. I don't like remember a retainer thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I went ad hoc, and I don't think, I don't know. And I don't want this to be like stated as record because I, I can't be sure of it. But I don't think that there is a market specialist team anymore. Well, um, because we all like kind of in a way, I guess, got laid off without really getting laid off. Right. Um, you went to ad hoc and then just less. And there less was no work to just do. Just kind of yeah. Yeah, disappeared. I mean, it was like probably two months in to pandemic where like places are starting to open and I couldn't log into my compass box email anymore and so it's like okay i mean that's pretty much like might be a sign yeah that's a sign for sure and so i mean there was no like you know no bad blood or no bad feelings pete was in town um and this was probably like eight months ago and he called me and he was like hey i need to get into the storage space and i forgot my key and so can you come meet me um to let me in and i was here and i was working a shift on the floor and it's like, I can't, but if you can swing by a warehouse, I probably have it in my bag. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I figured it out. I remember the code. So that was it. That was the last time I talked to anybody from Compass. Huh. And so it's weird. It's like a love-hate thing. Like sometimes I'm like getting dressed for work and I'll like pull out a Compass box t-shirt and I'm like, you know what? No, I don't, I don't think I want to wear it. Yeah. But working for that company at the same time was incredible. Um, really, really cool people. And the amount of, the other thing, like really quirky people. We're all very like, like-minded and weird and there was no filter with any of us, which was always fun. So like work calls were fun. You only had like six real months of working with them? Maybe a year at the most. Okay, okay. Yeah, and, um, but the, the knowledge still like is amazing because you can work for a scotch company and know your, like your product, but you work for a compass box and you have to know your product. 
that's homework. Like yeah. it's insane. The amount that you have to memorize to go into like the fucking Ralph Lauren restaurant and sit down with their beverage director and be able to recite, you know, five or six or seven different compass box blends and the percentage of each one and the ages of each one and what that does to the blend. I mean, it, it was, it was a really cool experience. It just sucks because that's like one of those things where, yeah, pandemic kind of just fucked it up. I, I think one of the two points to all of that, you know, the first thing is towards compass box. One of the most special things about it is that whether it's a blend or a blended malt or, you know, all that kind of thing, it's one of the few scotches that puts those percentages in that detail and has a reason in behind it. It might be the only one that does it for them all, you know? So mm. that's very, very cool. Um, and then the second thing I was going to say about the story in, in general, it's so funny how, you know, you can love working for a team, you can love a brand, you can love working within that team and all these things, but sometimes, you know, things don't work out. And especially as, like, from a corporate level, you know, you kind of are reminded that at the end of the day, we're, we're often in these big, big organizations, whether they're like local brands or national or whatever, we can be treated as obsolete, you know, regardless of the professionalism and regardless of the knowledge that you have. And I think of all the things, you know, the, the learning point there is like, and I've found this myself, you know, with, with Pernod Ricard and originally with Aberlour and then now later with the prestige role, you know, um, regardless of what you feel like at the end of the day you have to you have to look out for yourself you know and you have to make sure that regardless of how much you love something or how much you love a brand sometimes you have to bite the bullet and say do you know what like th this isn't going to be the right thing for me and me bending over backwards and doing all these things for them and you know you were saying when you were on the phone with this guy you've said i, I know loads of people in, in the city i've all you you probably were already putting in before the pandemic you were probably putting in way many more hours than they required of you or that was like you know the minimum to get the the benefits that you were getting and you know they probably I mean, f by the sounds of it, it didn't work out. They didn't do right by you or by the other market specialists, you know. So it's just one of those things. Um, and unfortunately, it's the same. And I think it's the same across a lot of industries, but it feels particularly rife in the booze slash hospitality industry. Yeah, absolutely. It's ever changing. There's always more people out there that are mm -hmm. thirsty to it. Like you, you wanted the job and one of your friends had the job. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we've all of us have certainly seen the lifespan typically and oh, in those yeah. positions is, is pretty short. I mean, um, like with Pernod, for example, uh, did you know Ross Graham? Yeah, and I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't ever meet Ross, but he's like very famous in these circles in Pernod. Sure. You know. Yeah. When he left to go to Old Elk, we were like, "You're insane," but he left for a reason, and it was it was the right choice for him, obviously. And now Old Elk is is doing fantastic. Yeah. No. You, we we just so we just purchased, and this was a funny change of events, and. It, to change tack a little bit, but Pernod just bought up um, uh, Código, the tequila. Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing tequila. And yeah, you know, the, the whole thing behind this tequila is that they're making it properly and like they just want to be as close to they can as as like the 1% of distilleries that are making their own juice, right? Yeah. And everything is about that. But when we purchased Código, their market manager who manages a few states um, came to do the training guy called Jonathan Acevedo and Jonathan had been let go by Pernod like three or four years ago you know and it's funny that the way things kind of work like in that cyclical fashion because he he had he'd been let go and rather than like take it 
as something that he was like, you know, I, I, I want to get another job with a big corporation or whatever. He went down a completely different route, similar to what Ross Graham did, and went to an old elk equivalent. But at the time, Cody Go wasn't quite an old elk equivalent, but it probably is now, you know, in the tequila world. So, yeah. um, where it was like, he went somewhere where it was going to be hyper-local, and he was going to be more or less on the ground floor of, of a brand that he truly believed in. Mm-hmm. And then it's paid him dividends, you know, it's paid him... Not, I don't, I don't think literally, but it's it's come back and it's really been like a good thing for him, and then here he is back at the top of the food chain, but with his own with his own destiny in his hands, right? And that's what I like about about doing that. You know, Ross Graham, like he went from looking at all these amazing Scotch brands that Pernod has, but then he took a leap of leap of, leap of faith on something. You know, that might not have worked out for him at Old Elk, but I bet you it has now. Yeah, you know? we, th- we thought he was crazy. We yeah. thought he was absolutely crazy. And then he shows up like two months later with uh, barrel samples and we're like, and then with Greg Brett's name on it on top yeah, of it. And right. we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're not crazy. That man, by the way, uh, such an incredible human and partner to this shop. When we got looted the first time during the riots, he came in here and he rebuilt half of our shelves. Wow. Just... He wasn't even asked. He just showed up with his tools and started just, he just went to work. He's an incredible human. He didn't share that story on the podcast. <laughs> Fucker. Yeah. <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> well, we must revisit that conversation. Plus, he didn't miss much being a BA over COVID anyway. <laughs> no, you did. You missed a lot, but none of it was interesting. Mm. Zoom call hundreds after Zoom and hundreds call, of Zoom tasting and tasting and... Talking into the void. I see. I refuse to do the Zoom tastings. That's the only way we kept our jobs. Yeah, <laughs> we were close to that. I think a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. There were some times where we'd just be going senile. I look back like at videos we've done. We did the podcast and how just red our eyes were and pale we were looking and everything like that. <laughs> I loved lockdown. My wife and I had a blast. Yeah, because you had a poop table and a great bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was great, and we cook a lot. No, I did. Uh, I well, I still do. I teach uh, bourbon classes and whiskey classes and cocktail classes for a company called Elevated, mm. and um, great little side gig. Uh, but they wanted me to do Zoom like classes and Zoom things during it, and I'm like, so that literally requires me making sample bottles, like a kit sending it out yes it does yeah fuck that there was no way i was gonna do I think that PTSD. <laughs> oh my god I don't, I don't know how many hours <laughs> i spent making kits and my oh. boss would be like why don't you just get on was it thumbtack or whatever it's called and know. hire somebody to do it i'm like who knows if the person's even gonna actually do it I might just take the whiskey and run off with it or is it gonna look appealing because everyone started kind of one-upping each other and doing all these different things to the kits, but we would, I mean, we on average had four samples in each, each one. Plus you get like a stickers pin, you got to pack it all tightly. I, I will say, I think only like less than a handful of sample balls actually broke over all that time. But I, I, I will never forget. We did a tasting with Keena Lake and it was our second or third one where we were bringing in different whiskeys from different people, different swag from different people. Oh, the first world whiskey day one. Yeah. Yeah. And, I remember, I think we had 50 kits, was it? 50 kits, six brands. And it was just... A sample from each brand. It was Jake's whole basement. (laughs) The whole floor of his basement was just covered in these white boxes. And we had a moment where we'd filled everything out, but there was one kit 
that didn't have enough bottles. And I can't remember what we'd done, but we the, the labels weren't right or something yet. We only had enough bottles. To, <laughs> we had exactly like a, a bottle, two bottles for everything. So we were kind of short on one. I think it was Joe Henry's fault, who was actually... He's we'll here at the moment. We'll be seeing him later tonight. Yeah, I'll California Clipper. Classic. Oh, tell him I said hi. Actually, he might him. come around this way. So. He's the sweetest. Yeah, I think he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have a love-hate relationship with him. And by love-hate, I mean we love him a little bit, but then we fucking hate him a lot. Yeah, anyway, okay. We, we, had, you know, we had like two little bottles left, and you know we didn't know what it was. So we had to like, smell everything. Like, all right, it's just, it's just either... I don't know, Avalar 12 or whatever you had or some Star Wars or Dancing Goat. And <laughs> we did. We basically did a, a 50 bottle, so a 300 bottle uh, sampling. And then we had to ship them out across the country too. All <sighs> for free, by the way. Oh, we didn't, no. cause we, we all had our own budgets and so we are like, we'll just put them towards that and, and you yeah. would not believe the amount. This was the other thing. This is another reason why you don't do it. Oh. Don't ever do it. Well, <laughs> you would not believe the amount of people that would oh. come to you and say, oh my God, like I didn't get a pin. And you'd be like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I thought I was about to have a riot one time with a whiskey club where I had sent <laughs> pins to, I ran out of pins for like 15 of the, of the 50 people when I was making kits. And people were like, I didn't get a pin. Oh, I didn't get a pin. And I put, like, I got this pin. And then like, someone's like, well, oh, I got this I bottle know. pin. And you're like, like, they literally asked me, can you send a box of pins down when you have time? I'm like, those cost no. like $3 a pin to make. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I was just trying to be nice and I ran out, sorry. <laughs> Oh, good guys, good guys though. Good guys. Though. Joe, um, so I, I love the, the whole family. They're all, right, they're, they're, all, they're, they're brilliant. brilliant. But he, um, this was years and years and years ago. Um, I wanted him to. This is actually this is a long time ago. This is before the tasting. I'll text him and tell him to stop by after he's done doing his work with. <laughs> but he, um, I wanted him to do a, a tasting downstairs. We do the Thursday in-house tasting downstairs. It's just free. And he said no, because we only carried one of their marks at the time. We only had the cognac finish. And he was like, you know, if you guys bring in the rest of the marks, then yeah, I'll come over and, and do a tasting on Thursday. And I told Gene, Gene was like, you know, sorry, I mean, they're really expensive and not a lot of people know about them. And so I, I'm not doing it. I'm like, all right. And so maybe later that year, it could have been the next year, um, they were at, I think it was also a, an independent spirits festival and the whole family was there and I was talking to the mom and she's, she's a fucking hoot. Oh yeah. We, yeah. we're aware. <laughs> and I told her what happened and she like scolded Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that you would turn that down. Yeah. And um, it was like, oh, that was, and I told her, I was like, that was the way to get, like, if people bought that, then we would bring in more marks. But yeah. But um, no, we still, we have a great relationship with them. And, do and you have their stuff? No. Yeah. Actually, now we do have probably like four or five marks at least. Nice. Yeah. We went up there it does 2021. It used to. March 2021. Yeah. Two we, years we ago. We went up there. Um, and we did. We went out to the farm and everything, and we had a we had a fucking blast. Their whiskey's fantastic. Really great. Good I, don't, I couldn't say a single bad thing about any of them that I've had. And their rye should be available, I think, soon. It's, oh, really? When we tried it, it was two and a half years old. I want to say. Yeah. Cool. Maybe three. So I think they're trying to get to that five-year statement on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Really tasty. Always a fan of Joe. I remember the first time I had it, I was like. Didn't believe this was just a family farm whiskey. Me either. Yeah. Well, typically when I stumble across craft and like, I mean, honestly, it's the same when you came in, this is probably about a year ago too. And mm -hmm. you brought some sourdough and I was like, this is going to suck. <laughs> and like craft, I immediately, I approach it with like a 
Yeah. Okay. But no, Henry, that's, it's always been good stuff. There's the other one that surprised me is like with um, when High West announced that they were going to start using their own distillate. And I was like, oh, God, mm-hmm. it's already not very good. This is going to get worse. It's <laughs> way better. They're doing a fantastic job. Yeah. Like I've been really, really impressed with High West recently. And I was never that big of a fan, but now I definitely am. It's an interesting transition that's happening in craft whiskey right now where these guys are growing up and it's mm-hmm. kind of becoming, are you going to keep elevating your flavors and your profiles mm-hmm. or are you going to stay in that same spot where you're just doing two to three year old whiskey or you can get bought out, you know, and yeah. completely evaporate. I think, I think selling out is a lot of times the goal. I mean, when yeah. I was in the coffee world, that was always the goal. Right. You know, get your brand big enough that like a bank wants to buy it. I think as well, you know, it's, it's a great thought. I, yeah, it's very stupid, but at the same thing, at the same time, I mean, your thought. Oh, I, I thought that. I thought you meant that yeah. point. Yeah, well, I that think was too. That was a good point too. There's so many people out there that were just, regardless of what industry it is, they're looking for that quick buck. Mm-hmm. But one thing that consistently impresses me with the alcohol industry is that I think a lot of people start that way, but then they fall in love with the process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think. Even to mention like a place like like a brand like Codigo, I think that's what's happened with them. They started off and they were like, mm-hmm. everybody's getting into tequila. Let's like get a bunch of rich people together and get into tequila. But then it became this thing where they went down there and they met the gang and then they started to fall in love with this, like the process of actually making it and tasting it and experimenting. Um, and I hope that like, you know, places that we know that are, are brands that we are close with that are smaller, I hope that none of them sell out, you know, and I hope that they, they've fallen in love. Like, I look at, like, a dancing goat, for example. You know, they, going up to see them and meeting those guys and Brady and everything, they, they're just so passionate about what they do, um, and I could never see them selling out. Yeah. But then there's other brands, not to name names, but there's other brands out there where I'm thinking, like... Do it. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think they're just there, like, to... There's a few that I'm like, oh man. I mean, I'll do it. I don't care. I don't. I. I don't work on commission. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. I think Smoke Wagon's about to do that. Makes um, sense. I mean, yeah, that makes total sense. For and uh, I. I hope Blom doesn't, but I think that they could. I think they could. I don't. I don't think they want to at all. I don't think, I think they, they, they would love. Either. I think they, they really do love what they do. They live yeah. in a small town yeah. where they are kings. Yeah, and, and that town is like a fairy tale fucking it town is. it's yeah. ridiculous have you been to Galena yet i've not been no no it's, it's yeah literally they, it's they know like everybody there magical it's place. the first stop off highway 20 when you come into town is their distillery um they make very good whiskey that mm-hmm. is their own now they're putting out an eight-year-old product how many craft brands can say that that started over the last 12 to 15 years yeah. uh their single barrels are outstanding and they still have you know that mgp honey barrels that are out there and mm-hmm. selling those that are producing or yielding a very small amount of bottles per barrel. But Do they still make the rye? It's like Wild River or something like that? Uh, yeah. That's um, good. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm not a rye fan, but I like it. One one brand that I suppose I'll just name mm. um, that we have a bit of an affiliation with in the podcast was Union Horse. I always thought like they yeah. were just kind of angling that way. I don't know. I really don't know. It's and funny. Uh, I was over at King of Cups last night and um, was talking with Andy, who's the GM there, and he brought up Union Horse, and I almost paused, thinking, "What? Who is that?" Because I have ever since Wilson left the brand, I, yeah. I just don't hear anything about it in Chicago because he was he was literally the face, the, the blood of the, of that brand in Chicago. He put that life into it, and then he removes on, and it just basically faded away. And mm. I don't think it's even at retail shops anymore. 
I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. yeah. And the rye, I always thought the rye was outstanding. Like their, their rye, especially their cash strength rye. I was going to say the, some of their bio strength stuff was fucking. And their, their, uh, single malt's really good. It's five year old single malt that they produce themselves. I've never I, had that. Uh, God, where did I, maybe Malloy's had it out in the suburbs. I can't, mm. I, I, I think it's just those people that can't kind of hold on to that relationship because Wilson provided such a great story and, you know, relationship with the brand to them where they feel somewhat committed to keep buying it but i don't really it's definitely fading out now unfortunately i'm I'm always weary with american single malt for the most part it's a very interesting conversation (laughs) well it's so i mean i have this probably on a week i think this is the third time it's come up over this week and it's only wednesday where you know a lot of people say american single malts shot themselves in the foot by releasing this very young whiskey working with young or maybe not even use cast whatsoever and using virgin cast with a grain that America is not known for or not experimented with enough. And mm-hmm. then it kind of came out and people weren't turned on by it and weren't impressed by it. Do you but, have a favorite uh, American single malt? Yeah. I have, I mean, I have, I guess a lot of favorites. I mean, I think St. George is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm always a fan of what Stranahan's does and they lean the way in that and smaller guys like Westward and Westland. Westland. Um, I, yeah. Like great. I mean, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I know Balcones is kind of a, yeah. it, it, it's one of those brands that can turn people off where you're really into it. I like it. It's uh, a love hate. Yeah, yeah. I think it's baby blue was the very first craft whiskey I ever had. Um, yeah. and it's just near and dear to my heart. So I think everything they do, I always give it a chance. Laws. I think laws actually puts out some really nice ones. I was just going to say, um, uh, yeah, but I feel he is like, it's like 84, 85 too. So it's not he's harsh. So experimental yeah. with stuff. And so it's, there's like a, and we, again, like he is a great, great friend of the shop. Yeah. Um, and he is about the sweetest guy ever, but, he, and he sends Gene stuff a lot that he's working on. Cool. Um, uh, we, his, the first private barrel they ever did was with us. Nice. And I think we actually still have it. I think it was the first bottle I ever bought here too. But, um, no, I think when he nails it, I think his American single malts are outstanding. Mm-hmm. No, no, I think there's so much, so much room to grow this American single malts too. There's no, there's no rules and foundation really set on it yet. And mm-hmm. it's also a conversation, a topical conversation that comes up a lot too, is it, it's a pigeonhole that um that style of whiskey by making laws uh, built into the built in that style of a single malt or is it um confining in a good way where you know if like an artist you give them a blank canvas and you're commissioning them just like paint whatever you want well it doesn't really work out for it's hard yeah. yeah for people who have a creative mindset without need an, direction exactly need to focus doing have the intent to actually build and create mm-hmm. yeah well I, I i think the other part of it too is that if you are an american and you like single malt you're going to trust the scotch. <laughs> I think so. One, yeah. For the most part. And if you're not, you're a bourbon drinker, most likely mm-hmm. if you're a whiskey drinker and you're probably not, you or, know, or dabbling in, in American single malts at all. So it's, it's a really small, like pigeonholed kind of demographic for people who would be into it. Yeah. But I do think I do see it expanding. I see it expanding downstairs and actually going back to, um, Codigo, uh, People are starting, we're really noticing a big, big movement towards people wanting real tequila and moving away from your Casamigos and things like that. Yeah, like, I, mean, I can't keep Fortaleza on my shelf at all. And when I'm out of it, they buy Codigo. And I can't even get Altasaro anymore. Yeah, I know. It's like it's, impossible. It's on allocation, I think. I miss I mean, my wife not doing branding or marketing for them anymore. So. <laughs> I know that they... You know, we we benefited a little bit from that last year. The speaking of the Cherry Circle Room, Cindy's had they wanted El Tesoro in, mm-hmm. in a cocktail, and they couldn't get it. Yeah, and this is like Hyatt. 
you know. And um, it was it just it slept on our shelves yeah. forever. So did Fortaleza. I had Fortaleza stuff that was like now would be the equivalent of somebody finding like an old pappy or something like that. I, I think there's something to be said now as well for the tequila's going a similar direction. Um, you know, with still strength blanco and then like even some tequilas are even doing private barrels and it's like yeah we do just with uh, Corazon yeah. we, do, we send our whiskey barrels down to them and so we have a Blanton's we've done an Eagle Rare um, we've done a Weller we've done a few I think we have a Blanton's down there right now and then we accidentally got sorry Violet Hour we got um, <laughs> a bunch of Violet Hours Buffalo Trace aged one wow it's, it's not on the shelf <laughs> <laughs> but no, I love how those mistakes are always fortuitous for somebody else. I think they must have got some of ours because nothing ever really came of that. It's it's funny because kind of shocking that it happened still, although it, it happened to us. Yeah. So. Oh, it did. Yeah, we had a, two barrels get mixed up, and one was sent to a retailer, and uh, I think it was New Jersey and Massachusetts. And person that no longer does sales for us was like, oh, they'll never know. I'm like, well, one is a single malt and the other is a wheat whiskey. So, and one of the wheat's aged in a PX cask and okay. the single malt's barrel aged in a wine barrel from Australia. So yeah. they might notice the difference. Well, that's like speaking of uh, smoke wagon. You remember that whole debacle, the not for Nas? Yeah. Yeah, thing. I actually, I got one of those from Adam oh. at, um, at Off Premise, which um, it's funny because he was like a big part of like getting that barrel, helping getting like that barrel back. And they made the stickers and everything. I, I was lucky to get a bottle from him. Yeah. And he stole like half of our four roses barrel last year. He told me that. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he charged way more than we did for it. Yeah. Every, he still had a couple of bottles the last time I was there. And I'm yeah. like, he was selling them online for like a shit ton. I think he just jokingly has it for like $2,300 or something like that on the shelf. Probably. I should go in there and just take one. He'd probably give it to me. I like Adam. Yeah. Oh, he's a funny dude. Yeah, he is. I was going to say that just about the the tendencies in the alcohol industry, is that something that you've noticed? Because obviously we started with this world of bourbon and scotch or just whiskey in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was Japanese or whatever. Um, but are you seeing something particularly with the customers or particularly clients, I suppose would be the, the, the right word coming in and maybe looking at something different, maybe changing things up. Is there something that you've seen there that, yeah. Um, what's actually interesting is, um, I think that the people who are really serious about it are over the, what Buffalo trace products do you have thing? They want something new. Um, they want something more interesting. You know, I'm actually seeing, um, a big increase in Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. Um, uh, pretty much across the board with, with most of my regulars and most of my, my higher end clients. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of interest into craft actually. Um, I'm selling a lot more of, of things like that, that at least I can recommend. Um, there's a lot of things. And again, it, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to not work on commission. Of course there's times where I'm like, God damn it. If, if I did, that would have been yeah. my week's pay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's great to be able to be honest with people. But yeah, I'm seeing um, people like uh, who are really serious about it. And you know, I, I'll always ask, like, do you need to double down on anything? Like, how are you on your Wellers? How are you on your Eagle Picks? How are you on you know your Blantons or whatever? And they're like, I'm good on all that stuff. They want to try something new. So yeah, I think um, that is like a, it's a good opportunity right now for quality craft brands. Um, again, Tennessee whiskey, like 
the the different new cool stuff that Jack Daniels is putting out is like people are going nuts about it, which is is actually fun to see. Um, I think Wild Turkey is like really kind of popping hard right now. Oh yeah. Um, like we can't keep our Russells. Like when we do our picks, they're gone. Like the ten the ten year old barrel is unbelievable. Yeah. The six is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 13's great if you can find your Man, hands on when it. when I got the third, so the first time that we got 13 in, Gene was like, hey, I got two cases of this. Here's yeah. this in the basement in your little, I have my little corner, <laughs> my little hoblin or goblin corner. Hobgoblin. My cove. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, whatever. Because like we have our own barrel picks. Right. You know, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck about this. People weren't ir- like irate about getting it right away. No, nobody cared. It was before Minnick poisoned the well. And so basically... Mm. That weekend, just over Saturday and Sunday, people would come in and they were like, you know, my regulars and people I see every weekend. And I'm like, I don't know. I got this. You want one? Yeah. And I think they're like 60 bucks or 55 bucks or something like that. That was the first round of them. I know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care about it. So here. Yeah. Because to me and we are like, that is one thing we're very biased here. It's like if you're not picking our barrel pick over something else or if we offer you something like especially a barrel pick and you're like, no, I'm good. I already have that. Fuck you. Like you can, you can get, get out. Yeah. Get the doors that way. Get the Aaron nine year old. You get nothing else now. But, um, yeah, I sold them all. And like two days I sold my whole case yeah. and I didn't think twice about it. And then the next year rolls around and it's whiskey of the year. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. I, I probably shouldn't have done it. The first that. time I tried it in a bar was like $13 a pour in the first month it came out. And mm-hmm. now it's probably 35, $40 probably. if you can even find it on a back bar. Yeah. So. It's very strange, yep. and that's what happened to Booker's too. And I hate that. It's my favorite whiskey. And is I, it? Yeah, interesting. It's near and dear to my heart. So Why? Uh, my grandpa was an engineer at the time that Booker was developing it. Oh, okay. Over there, so yeah. I love the uh, the Freddie Junior story about with the little book and everything. I yeah, think that's great. We actually have an experimental bottle. I think it's a hundred percent corn from Little Book One, a full seven hundred bottle of it. Oh, really? Yeah, that's my, cool. My wife did marketing for them, and somehow she got that i don't know how i'm not allowed to open it i was gonna um, say there's a lot of bottles that your wife got that we're not allowed to open though no <laughs> a lot of lafroigs that we're not allowed to yeah, open we're banned. Yeah. i have a lot of bottles that are mine that i procured but I, my wife has decided i am also not allowed to open <laughs> i don't know there's any only book there's only one bottle that i don't know when to open it so does she drink whiskey as well? Yeah, she loves. Like yeah. she, and she's an Isla fan, so yeah. she's always Bomars and uh, Isla's or uh, Lafroix from the time she worked there at, at Beam for about six mm-hmm. years. That we're just waiting someday. Yeah, to try. Minnie does the thing where uh, I'll get gifted something or maybe something cool will come in that I bring home. Yeah, um, but it's something that normally we wouldn't get our hands on, and I'll bring it home and I'm excited, and I open it and I pour it. And she'll take a sip, and then she just grabs the bottle away mm-hmm. and hides it. And she's just like, that's mine. That's oh, mine. <laughs> I'm like, I got that was a gift to me. And she's like, nope, it's mine now. In 100 now. years, they're going to find a time capsule in the back garden, you know. <laughs> bottles, I'm strange with our Scotch Malt Whiskey Society bottles because I'm like, I, you're never going to get this again. Yeah. Like, never going to get anything like it. For the most part, you're kind of like, okay. So I'm holding on to some that are probably been open for like four years. And yeah. it's like... A few drams left yeah, inside of there, and the, of there's a few of those that are so f- like the footloose and fancy free. I think oh. like was the one that everybody just wanted to get their hands on. You Tried know? again the other night. Uh, the one that and it's pretty much the same. There's like probably a few inches in the bottom of it, yeah. and I hate it. And I think I actually, I think the cork is broken on that one too. Mm. But it was uh, the flowers and a coal whatever mm, okay. that one. Yeah, sounds familiar. Some yeah. coal bunker. I think. Yeah, yeah, there was some great great names yeah, as well I think coming it's a through. I, I, uh, oh no, it's a Glen Scotia. 
of all things. Nice. That's actually pissed me off more because I was like, really, Glen Scotia? You're out there making really good whiskey. I and know. Got not, the stuff on the shelf. Not releasing it. <laughs> when you try things of, brand, of distilleries, like you look past every day. And mm-hmm. We had that experience. Did you have the Connoisseur's Choice Glen Scotia? No. It's outstanding. Huh. It's like unbelievable. It pissed me off how good it was. Huh. We, we, so Pernod has the distillery Tormor and they don't release anything. Like they, it's just a distillery that they have pumping out great whiskey for their blends. And I tried it a few times years ago when we were doing the Chivas Altus launch that had five really nice single malts in it. Mm-hmm. And like then they ended up changing it and it's not as good anymore. But when they first launched it, the Altus was phenomenal. And they would do a tasting where they would let you taste out all five of the whiskeys. And I remember tasting the Tormor. It was like really citrus forward and like really kind of full bodied and like lot lot of great flavor there. And um we tried a Tormor at the Single Malt Whiskey season, and it was outstanding. And the whole time I was just thinking, I cannot believe that they are spending and sending all of their time and whiskey. What was the price on it? Do you remember the bottle? Uh, One thirty-five. Oh, is that? Oh, okay. So the lower end scale yeah, for Single Malt. Yeah. Have you guys had Ardlayer? It's the unpeated Ardmore. Oh wow! I think I've only had it. I think I've had a Scotch Malt Whiskey Society release of it. There's a, I, we might still have it. There, we had a signatory release of it. Uh, and it, yeah, it's outstanding. And it's like, they use it for blends. It, it never really goes anywhere. <laughs> I love the signatory finds. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'll try this for like yeah. 60 bucks, 70 the, bucks. The Linkwood, we've got a bunch of Linkwoods oh, yeah. down there too. And those are like outstanding. And we had a bunch of Tomatins too, which like you I never love see Tomatin anymore. I love Tomatin. I never it's great. see it. We have a Tamdu pick coming in. I'm really excited about Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. That's nice. one of my favorites. You see a lot of Tamdu and Cardu and Tomatin and things like that back in ho- back at home. Oh, really? And that's the one that like they'll be on the menu. It's like eight pounds for a dram. Huh. You know. Did you guys I, recently go over there? Do picks? Um, no, I think he did that here. I I wasn't part of that pick. The how the picks basically work anymore yeah. is, I would say Gene does, because we do. I think we did over 150 barrels last year. Jeez. So, like, obviously, with the, the ones that he does in Scotland, he, I don't go with him right. for that. Um, and then I do picks for different restaurants and stuff like that around the city. Oh, and so, obviously, he's not, like, involved with that, really. Nice. Um, but then he goes down. I don't go with him to Kentucky. And he does, like, the core of most of those picks. So, I think he did our um, Blanton's, our E.H. Taylor, and our Stag. Um, nice. and I think he did a 1792 foolproof. He like made them like ship it to Buffalo Chase. So he could just do that at the same time. <laughs> nice to have that power. I know he sent me a photo while he was picking and I'm like, why are you, you're not in the normal place that you pick barrels uh-huh. with like Susanna and shit. And no, he picks them in the, the cabin, like the, whatever. I think it's the Blanton's, the Albert Blanton's cabin or something like that. <laughs> But he insists that yeah, that's he what he wants. There. Yeah, <laughs> it's just Gene's world. We're living in it. It is very much. <laughs> but um, yeah, the rest of them we do here, and then there's some that I do, um, but few and far between. Mm. But I do by myself, like uh, Forrester. Um, what else did I do? Um, God, I'm trying to remember. Any small brands? No. Uh, Bowman, I do the Bowman. Okay. Um, oh, some of the old alts, actually, yeah. Too. Oh, cool. Um, oh, and that's what 
um, that's when you're talking about the Zoom meeting things and the mm-hmm. sample kits. Um, I don't know if you guys know, I never will know how to pronounce this guy's last name, even though he's a good friend of mine. Eric uh, Rosen. Yeah. Yeah. Rosen Treader. Yes. So he works for Old Elk now. Yep. He was with Woodenville and he was with Heaven's Door before there. He worked for us. I think we had him on. Yes. I think we had him on for Woodenville. Uh, we had him on for both. Oh. I think he came on. We well, he hasn't been on yet. We were actually supposed to have Greg on. Uh, oh, right on. Like Greg a month is, ago. Have you met Greg? No, I've never met him. Oh my God, he's the, he is. We're like, going to record at Franklin Room actually. He's such. Oh God. Uh, yeah. Um, Peter had a lot of questions for him. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Peter has a lot of questions in general. He's yeah. fucking stoned out of he's his mind best. half the time, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, he got sick before the trip and didn't make it, so uh, we were rescheduling. But yeah, Eric's been on a couple times. And yeah, Eric. Um, we did it at, at my house, actually, and um, it, I don't even remember what it was for, but he wanted me to help him with it. And so it was, yeah, like a Zoom tasting that he had sent the kits out for, and he and I are just sitting there rambling on about the different whiskeys, which I think we did a couple like different random things like that together because our, our like back and forth is actually kind of hilarious yeah because we, like, i think just, initially we we're gonna have both of you guys on the podcast that pro- when we first started talking so, yeah, about that, it. yeah that probably yeah we were like fairly inseparable for a while but he's just traveling so much and he moved to the burbs and yep. blah 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 but um yeah the whole time that we did it like i think there's like 10 or 12 people like 70 percent of them it was just a black screen yeah and it's like what the how fuck? rude why yeah. are we even doing this like yeah. I encountered that a few times. I mean, yeah. I, I probably reached like 4,000 plus people over Zoom tastings. I mean, there'd be, you know, some of them were great. Some of them you have 50 people on, they'd be, you tell, they necessarily wouldn't interact, but they were there the whole entire time. But I had one where I was doing it through this whiskey club and part of a restaurant out in the suburbs. And there was like six or seven of them at a table in the restaurant. And they're just like talking and on mute the entire time, like not paying attention, just drinking the whiskey. And then like half the other people are like are blacked out squares. And then there's like four people that are paying attention and you put together all this time, all this energy drove the kids out of the suburbs to drop them off at the account to like, you know, say hi and like, you know, anything else like you can bring some bottles in after this tasting and do all that stuff as a salesperson. And you're like, wow, that was a waste of like an hour and a half at the end of the day, yeah. which and then all the hours that went into it just to get to that point. Well, and it's like, why did, you know, what's the point? Why did you even come? I walked out of an event actually like two or three weeks ago. Um, halfway through it and I came back. Yeah. Yeah. There was like 20, like maybe 20, 25 people. It was a corporate event. Okay. And, um, were you hosting it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would, I, I, I fantasize about it. So that. how did you walk out? What did that look like? I, so I was, uh, giving the presentation on the bottles that we were tasting and they were really nice bottles. Yeah. Um, this is a guy that he, he does a lot of events up here and he's a great guy. And, um, Tom Skilling, we always yep, nailed it. You have no idea who that is, do you? Bullseye. No. <laughs> I don't actually. Either. You don't? No. WGN Weatherman for like 40 years? <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> I look like a loser? <laughs> Jake's um, walking out of this event. <laughs> but uh, no, I was like, you know, giving a presentation on the bottles, and I'm, I'm fairly quick, and I know the crowd. And so I know when it's like, I, I don't like a classroom situation for right. events either. And so, and I don't like breaking up the conversation and the networking or whatever in between every bottle. Mm-hmm. So I'll go through the history of each bottle and whatever cool story each bottle has. And then the whole thing of like, this is so-and-so, they'll be your bartender. If you'd like to talk about flavor after, you know, you've been served, we're more than happy to do that. We'll have food coming out soon that pairs with the, the whole deal. And you've got three guys in the middle 
who are just full on like, who the fuck cares? I just want to drink. Like, this is dumb. This guy, like, who cares what this, what this guy is supposed to talk? Da, da, da. And he, they would not stop. And so I keep getting louder and louder. And as you guys obviously now know, I do not project very well at all. And I finally get to the point, like, I'm getting louder and they get, they're getting louder. Mm. And just this nonstop, like, nobody fucking cares. And I'm like, Jesus, you know, I'm out. And so I just, I didn't leave, leave. I went into the prep room. I sat down. Ben was in there making food. And he's like, what's going on? And I was like, I'm not fucking doing that. Yeah. Like, I'm not dealing with it. If, like, you only came here to drink, go to a bar. You know, you're here for free. You were invited by the host who's actually paying for this whole thing. Yeah. And uh, the host comes back and he's like, what's going on? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with your guests, man. Like, they're insanely rude and... Uh, no matter, it seems like what I do, I'm not, I'm just not going to deal with it. And he's like, who, who is it? And I was like, nope, not doing that either. Like, I don't want it to, this is your event. Um, Minnie's going to pour everything still. Everybody's going to get, you know, their, their whiskey, but I'm not going to go out there and basically be like ridiculed while I'm trying to give some form of education to your guest. And he was like, but that's like why I need you here. That's like the main reason I do these here. And I'm like, okay. Um, I'll go out, but I'm going to tell you right now, if these guys start talking again, I'm 100% going to tell them to shut the fuck up and leave. <laughs> and he goes, that's fine. And so I came back out after having a dram or two in the prep room. And I'm like, okay, let's pick up where we left off. And before even anything said, I just pointed at them and I said, and the three of you, shut the fuck up or you're leaving. And they just stopped. And they didn't say another word the rest of the time. Not to mention... Minnie, despite being five feet tall, is about as intimidating as she could possibly be, and she is staring fucking bullets through them. It's not the size of the dog in the fight, man. Uh, yeah, it's the size yeah. of the fight in the dog. It's, it's insane that sometimes for these events, like, yeah. Yeah. like you're saying, is that people are just kind of like, I don't even give a fuck. I, I wonder how much... I always want to give people the out of COVID, and you know, you're out of... It's, it's been too long. It is. It has been. Cause I, I was at a whiskey fest, and Lena one actually and these guys you know we have 10 15 people in line for your table and these guys just come up to the side and be like we want to try the the rarest one and i'm like okay, i'm you just skipped an entire line They're like but you're talking to people i'm like the rarest i'm like one. that's my job to talk to people at these festivals mm -hmm. and they're like I'm like well i want to pour i'm like i'm not giving you a pour you just cut like 10 people in line I'm like like you know it's be an asshole <laughs> and it's like I literally just go fuck you, and like they walk, they walk, start walking away, and they're like, you know, be an asshole. I'm just, in the middle of you know probably a hundred people in this little area, I'm just like give them double birds. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, why would you treat people so badly? Where you're calling double burgers? Birds. Oh, birds! I thought you said double burgers. I was like, I've never had middle finger called uh, a burger. Yeah, but it, <laughs> I like it. You just, get, <laughs> just get fed up with it, and you think how rude are you to be as an individual just to think that you're more entitled and more important, so you can just cut a whole entire line because you know, like the owner who's running the event. I got called an asshole at Whiskey Fest one year, and I totally deserved it. Nice. I um. So like I was saying, we, we go as exhibitors yeah. um, and we typically, it's always, it's almost always been old Pultney that gets us in as with an exhibitor pass. And so, uh, Gene and I go the around is up now and yeah, well no, stuff's not there anymore. So <laughs> our, our plug is gone. Um, and so we walk around and we, you know, meet with everybody and we try whatever. And then usually around VIP time, Gene's got like maybe 20 minutes left in him at the most. My favorite was like, we lost, everybody lost him. Nobody knew where he was once. And it's like 20 minutes into VIP. And we both wore like these, like, 
PGA Masters Tour like green blazers nice. so that we could like find each other. Yeah. And I find him and he's got three empty Glencairns in one hand and then one full one in the other. And he's like down in that and he's like, I'm leaving. And I was like, I think you, that's probably a solid idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, um, I have a thing. I have videos of this, but it would take me forever to find them. But it was my favorite thing for years was to um, stand right at the front of the Pappy Van Winkle line with like the velvet rope and everything right when VIP is going to start. Now, mind you, I've already like hung out with Julian. I've tried all of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nothing against anything or what people think about it. It's not a life changing whiskey no. in the slightest way. Um, it's great. Yeah. But it's not worth trampling across the showroom floor for the second the VIP store or the VIP door is open and so I would just like if these were the ropes I would stand slightly to the left of them mm-hmm. and wait for VIP to come in and I'd record all mm. of these maniacs mm-hmm. just running as fast as they can to the Van Winkle line and then I would just take one step over to the right and be first in line and there's this older gentleman um like two or three people behind me and he just starts pointing over the people in front of him at me and screaming asshole you fucking asshole and i'm like the best part is i'm laughing and i've already tried all the whiskey (laughs) and julian's cracking up and like yeah it was that was one of my favorite things, and well, I just couldn't stop. somebody to start calling a random person asshole because you're standing in line. It's first. just whiskey. I At know. the end of the day, it's like, you know, I, you might know this story. When we did our Stag Junior release, it might have been an E.H. Taylor release. I don't know. It was one of our store picks, and it like blew the internet up. And we released like X amount of cases on the day of that, and we announced when we were releasing it. And people come in, and it's lined up down the street, and everybody's waiting to buy this, and it gets to like one of the last guys in line and we were out, we weren't selling anymore. And he went outside and in front of like four Chicago police uh, officers, he starts pounding his back bumper with his foot, like stomping on it to the point where he broke his own back bumper off. And the cops are like, you know, terrified. And they're like, what's going on? And they talk to the guy and it's like, it's his car. Yeah. He did it to his own car over a fucking bottle of bourbon because he couldn't get one. There's that, and then you, this one you probably also may have heard of, the guy who hired like five or six homeless guys. Uh, that wow. was the Stag Jr. release. To come in and get one each? Yep. Wow. Yeah, and then he put him on Facebook. Work? Yeah, we didn't, Armando and I knew. Okay. Like, we were like, something's fishy about this. Yeah. It's like blatantly homeless guys, and they all have cash, and they all have exact change. And <laughs> he apparently paid them all 20 bucks, and then he had them on Facebook on like a group later that day of like six bottles of the SAG Junior release for like 250 each or something uh, like that. What a prick, man. And people started calling him out, so he took it down. But yeah, huh. it's crazy what people will do. Is he still shot Fucking here? bottle. He might. I don't know. I'm bad with names and faces. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. the chaos is crazy. Yeah. It, it makes no sense either. No. And, and they always, they'll make more. Right. You know? Usually. I had, this was an event just recently where a guy told me he'd give me 50 bucks for one of the Blanton straight from the barrel boxes that are on the shelf. It's a box. Well, yeah, but you know what he's going to do with it. Uh, Yeah. 
either t- take a bottle and refill it or a bottle he has at home, put mm-hmm. it in there and yeah. say what it is and try to sell it on the internet for mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands, hundreds of dollars more than it's actually worth and lie about what's in the inside. And that's why I've never bought a bottle of whiskey online, nor do I care no. to. Anyway, don't no. care that much. Neither have I. It's like if I can't of find it. Of all the it, things on oh, the walls here, I'd probably, I'd probably try and I'd be more inclined to buy the, the hydrometer. Yeah, no shit. Of all the things. That's probably know. one of my favorite things in the room. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. I, uh, so this is well before I worked here, but I had already developed like a, you know, a huge interest in collecting, well, not collecting, but like whiskey in general. Yeah. And um, I bought a Blanton straight from the barrel on secondary market. This was probably in like 2012 or something like that. And uh, and it wasn't very good. It was like $300. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't I was like, what the fuck? Like, I thought this was going to be, like, the coolest thing ever. And yeah, it just, it that's the first one I had, Pappy23. Do you know Alex Dimming? He used to work for Koval. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he got a bottle of it one year. It's like, 2014, whatever, like that. And he's like, do you want to try it? I'm like, yeah, it'd be cool. And we had it, and I'm like, I know this is supposed to be the best thing of your life. Like, everyone's trying to have it. The craze is just beginning. Have it. I'm like, oh, it tastes like wood yeah yeah <laughs> it's very oaky you yeah know? and maybe my palate wasn't maybe if i tried it again no minnie I and know. i had it like i think last year we were bartending for um lincoln park builder association they have this like big gala every year mm-hmm. and they who the hell's buzzing up idiots yeah miller <laughs> <laughs> um and the uh, bike awaits the, yeah. the president of the the clubhouse thing he's he's a very very amazing dude and uh, towards the end of the night, and his his spread was insane. He had a double eagle, like all sorts of stuff, and he's like, or golden eagle, whatever the hell it is, and he's like, try everything, try everything. You guys are done. Just try everything. And the Pappy Twenty Three, both Minnie and I were like, the fuck, yeah. this is what yeah people are going nuts for and spending thousands, thousands of, dollars of dollars on. Yeah, I mean the Fifteen's great. Fifteen's great. 15. Actually, this last year, I, and it's the first year that I would say this um, out of at least the last like five or six years, I thought the Lot B this year was a killer. Mm. It was really, really tasty. And then the year before, I thought the 10 was the best. I usually like the 15 the most, yeah. though, yeah. No, I agree with you on that. 15's a sweet spot. There's no point of uh, driving yourself crazy and busting your own car over whiskey. Yeah, it was amazing, though. That would be pretty cool to watch. It was fun. I had not heard that story. <laughs> uh, well, we've done an hour and 45 minutes. Have we? Have we? Are we going to drink? Yeah, we can drink. Let's drink. I'm not going to drink. Have a basketball game. Oh, playoffs. No, we won last week, but we won the playoffs last week, but I'm in a new league now. Oh, yeah? Do you want to promote I maybe have a tiny wee dram. Okay. Say. There we go. A teeling or two. Well, Zach, is there anything you want to promote or anything like that that's coming up? No, no, no. Good. <laughs> just, just, just anybody that's really, really into their whiskey should pop their head in if they've never been yeah. in. Yeah, and if anything, I would say um, you can find me really easy on Instagram. It's... What the hell? <laughs> Even an event tonight? No. Um, my Instagram is just my name, Z-A-K-R-Y-E. And yes, that's my real name. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, I actually do not like rye whiskey very much. (laughs) Um, and, uh, that's a great way to find upcoming events. Um, also, of course, (laughs) somebody really wants to get in. Yeah. Because they think it's the liquor store and it's like blatantly not. Um, Warehouse Liquors uh, Instagram will also soon be promoting our events uh, once we're able to have them again and our website as well, which is warehouselickers.com and our Facebook. But um, I would hope to say that by like late June, 
You're back. Yeah, we'll be fully back, and we have been hoarding like a motherfucker. So nice. the first Just Trust Us and First Just Us are going to be like record, like unbelievable, insane stuff. Well, so we're gonna go downstairs and drink it all before we begin. <laughs> yeah, those will be um, those will be really special events, uh, especially the the first Just Trust Us. It's gonna be like um, we're we're going all out for sure. Nice, great to hear. Well, thanks again. Um, this is awesome. Fun to record up here. I hope the pirate radio station didn't come through too much. Or the doorbell. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that was just the very end. Um, Callan, thanks for joining us. Oh, Zach, thank you, thank you for hosting us and being on. He's lying. He's lying. He's I still lying. see your monitor going, so I think we're, I think we're okay. I think we're okay. Well, everybody else out there, uh, take these lessons and go shopping in your local stores and be a gentleman or a lady. Cheers. Cheers, guys.